cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thursday, January, oh, February 1st. Good morning, February. How are you? This is episode number 400, uh, 548. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm a hot mess express this morning. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, we got a great show for you today. This is the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, this hot cup of coffee, Jose Alfredo, QDEP, Sebazot, Chris Young, Matt McDaniel, folks over on LinkedIn like Jenny Roberson. And Logan Fuller, Marcus Kyler, and the Yeet crew. Jonathan with that cup of coffee and the Yeet team. Mods, first timers, long timers. Woo! We are all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So, how can you use this information to help drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got you covered because you're gonna be asked in any single job interview, how do you stay current? In fact, you, like do your best not to crack up laughing when you're asked that question in the job interview because it's coming. Uh, this right here is a banger of an answer. You're gonna get exposed to the top current events. It's vitally important to be a successful cyber professional, uh, to be current on what's going on so you can you know, basically adjust risk profiles and stuff like that. Uh, but this is where it's at, plus the, um, the networking is phenomenal. Look at Alana Boyajin, Augusta Delgado, Senfilis, Jason Hoskins up in here. Everybody, all about good times, all about support and inclusion. I'm loving it. Can't wait. Uh, just as a word of advice, we're going to go through about eight top cyber stories of the day. I do not research or research or prep any of these stories. Um, so you're getting my uh, you know raw opinion, raw thoughts, initial um, you know. Uh, in the moment thought so it's all about good times here uh before we get into the show let me say what's up shout out and love to the stream sponsors starting with my good friend and the team over at barricade cyber solutions barricade cyber solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber attacks can cause massive issues for business for businesses and send dedicated hard-working business owners into turmoil but barricade cyber solutions knows how to mit Mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadesimer.com. Also want to throw a lot of love over to um, Panopsi Security. Brandon Poole and his team over there had a had a call with Panopsi last night. Kind of unexpected uh, uh, late night call with Brandon. But some really, really cool information. Maybe some potential uh, really wild stuff. Uh, that I might get involved with. So stay tuned for updates on that. But as far as Panopsi can go, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. 
If you need help in any way tactically, like, oh, like I know how to run a tabletop exercise. I just don't have the cycles to do it. Or, and this is true, I've been telling my my CIO and executive team that we need to do this, whatever this is. We've, we've got a hot mess express of risk over here, but it doesn't seem to be resonating with the executives. I'm guarantee you, you have someone else come in, a third party, an external party, even though they'll say the same exact thing, the executive team will listen to them. It's frustrating and annoying, but it is a reality that we have to live with as practitioners. So if you need some help, uh, from seasoned professionals that know exactly what they're doing with respect to your industry, your resources, your time. Panopsi Security, that's where it's at. Go to panopsi.com, get some of that action. Also want to say shout out and love to Anti-Siphon, but more about them later at the mid-roll. Although I know many of you know all about how awesome Anti-Siphon training is because many of you are in the Active Defense and Cyber Deception course right now. But we'll talk more about that later in the show. I want to let everybody know here that each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing is worth half a cpe so be sure to say what's up in chat hashtag team sc in chat i'm gonna go ahead i do identify as a member of the simply cyber community in addition to being um the host of the show so hashtag team sc here's the trick get your cpes say hi in chat take a screenshot like wilbert philippe just did here uh take a screenshot and just file it away it takes five seconds to hit Windows key shift S. It takes one second to hit print screen. Whatever you want, get a piece of evidence every single day. And if you ever need it uh, for an audit, you've got it. Half a CPE a day, say what's up in chat. There's no, there's no magic formula. There's no secret application you have to fill out. Just take a screenshot. Love it, love it, love it. And hey, really quickly, if today is your first episode if episode 548 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is your first episode, please let us know in chat with a hashtag first timer. Don't be shy. We really, really love welcoming new newcomers into the community, whether you're on LinkedIn or YouTube, uh, or we're going to start uh, broadcasting to Twitch as well. So I can, it, it'll, for reasons, um, if you're interested, I'll explain it to you. But um, we're going to be broadcasting over there. So just say hashtag first timer in chat. And let us know it is your first time. We have a special emote, a special sound effect. We would love to play for you. Welcome to the party, pal. So I just want to let all y'all know that um, every day of the week has a special segment. And Thursdays, we have a longstanding tradition of what's your meme Thursday with Haircut Fish de developing a custom meme for the show. Everyone, every meme is unique and fresh and brand new. And it's usually germane to something that happened earlier in the week. Dan Creedon with a first timer. Welcome to the party, Dan. Welcome to the party, pal. All right. I see Evans is a third timer. Judges? Yep, we'll give it to him. Welcome to the party, Welcome pal. To the party, pal. Willard Emmanuel from Singapore. Welcome to the party, Welcome pal. To the party, pal. Let's dump those. Welcome to the party, pal. Emotes on our first timers. Welcome to the party, guys. I hope you have a great, a great experience here on the show. All right, guys. It's all about good times. It's all about, uh, you know, craps and giggles. But we got work to do, y'all. So do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. 
These are the cybersecurity headlines for Thursday, February 1st, 2024. I'm Rich Straffolino. FBI grounds Volt Typhoon. The Chinese state-affiliated hacking group Volt Typhoon created the KV botnet by infecting small office and home office routers, as well as IoT devices from Netgear, Cisco, Draytech, and Lumen Technologies. The group used the botnet to hide reconnaissance and exploitation efforts. The FBI now reports it began an operation in early December to take down the botnet with a court order to take down its C2 server. This saw the FBI compromise the server and use it to cut off access to infected devices by uninstalling its VPN component on routers. The FBI and CISA also issued guidance for Soho router manufacturers to secure hardware against continued Volt Typhoon activity, even for end-of-life hardware. All right, here we go. All right, so first of all, congratulations, FBI. You, you, uh, what, 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 you, uh, minx, you, you, uh, I, I don't know, my brain's not working today, but guys, love it, love it, love it. FBI straight up kicking a hole in the speaker, pulling the plug, and then jetting here on Volt Typhoon. Volt Typhoon is a sophisticated, advanced, persistent threat actor operating out of China. Uh, Volt Typhoon has been named by Microsoft. It goes by other names. I think like Bronze Silhouette is another one. Um, when you're talking with threat actor names, uh, it, it depends on like what security vendor basically is naming them. So when you see weather systems, that's Microsoft. Uh, the FBI is disrupting them. Uh, one really interesting thing here is that they were using small business and um, you know smaller known routers as part of their exfiltration operation. So um, I, I'm not going to get too in, like down in the weeds here uh, with um, like a network diagram would be nice. There isn't one provided in the story, but base, basically what they're saying is, you know, China's over here controlling stuff. There's got to be C2 servers out there in the world. C2 is command and control. It's how you basically centrally manage your uh, network of compromised devices. And that that was controlling all of these small business and residential routers and stuff. And it sounds like if you think of like a like a relay chain, you know, businesses and other things that are compromised, exfil data is coming through it. it. Then it's going through those um, home routers. It sounds like or business routers, and then out to C two, then out to um, Chinese operators. So uh, kind of hiding in the weeds. This is really really tied directly in. If you watch Jen Easterly. Um, first of all, hey, Jen. <laughs> hey, Jen. Um, hold on. Let me get some Jen Easterly uh, action in here. Jen's definitely not watching today. She's been very busy uh, uh, testifying or speaking to Congress about the current state of affairs. Um, I did not watch it, although I will say that uh, the mod team, uh, many of the mod team were watching it yesterday and providing real-time comments. Um, I've I've been I, I didn't get to watch it. I would like to watch it at some point, but I personally have been in like a, a quagmire, uh, a mire, just, I don't want to get into it. But anyways, I didn't have time to do it, uh, unfortunately. But uh, Jen pointed out that China is like really all up in uh, technology <laughs> in the United States. And that one mention was around home routers and the lack of updates. Like when was the last time you updated your, Comcast Xfinity router. Not to mention some of these routers, I know like the AT&T ones, they, they have remote access capabilities for AT&T to remote in and, and, you know, ding around. Now, whether they do that or not, whether that's uh, appropriate or not, that's beside the point. The point is there's like remote access capabilities. 
Um, and, you know, basically, I, I, this show is not political in nature. This show is not intended to, um, you know, uh, propagate or, or uh, like spurn uh, conspiracy theories and stuff like that. But um, if you if you read what's going on, I mean, obviously, <laughs> China is moving towards um, kind of wanting, you know, China's the first world power. They've invested a lot of time, money, energy, and effort over the last 12 years, uh, ramping up their uh, cyber military capability. Uh, their espionage is, I would say, the best in the world, their ability to commit espionage. Um, so, you know, for FBI disrupting this, this is really good, but I think this is just, we're going to find and discover that this is just one, um, one example like this is not isolated this isn't this wasn't like china volt typhoon wasn't china's like big swing you know in a big miss right like china's got a lot of operations going so i think we're gonna see more um and you know i i do i will say i do love the joint action um it says fbi here i'm sure other agencies were involved in a coordinated effort um i'm you know after seeing um you know what happened in in you know, September 2001 with the lack of information sharing between CIA and FBI and Homeland. Well, Homeland didn't exist at the time, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm glad to see this uh, joint coordination and sharing of information. Definitely go check out that Jen Easterly uh, testifying before Congress. I'm a little disappointed that um, honestly, that this is one of the things about the CISO series stories um, that is a little frustrating and why I would like to remedy a bit. Uh, like the Jen Easterly testifying before Congress should absolutely have been the lead story on all of this, but I'm sure it'll be in the news uh, tomorrow uh, for them. So anyways, way to go, FBI. Uh, I do want to say really quickly, just as a real, real quick aside, um, if you're interested in learning more, this is simply cyber.io slash books. I'm currently reading, where is it? I'm currently reading this book right here, Battlefield Cyber. This is a very interesting book. Uh, the subtitle is How China and Russia Are Undermining Our Democracy and National Security. It is not a salacious national inquirer hot take. It's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of like objective grounded information in this book. It's excellent. I'm I'm probably like a quarter of the way through it. Um so, anyways, if you're interested in, in learning more. More companies refuse to pay ransoms. The ransomware negotiation firm Coveware reports that in Q4 2023, a record low 29% of firms made payments to ransomware operators, down from 37% a year ago. The firm notes the rate of ransomware payments decreased steadily over the last five years at a peak of 85% of firms paying in Q1 2019. This drop occurred even in cases where threat actors exfiltrated data. Coveware said the continued decline comes from mounting legal pressure on paying ransoms, a lack of trust in cyber criminals, and overall better preparedness for ransomware attacks. Yep. Binance. All right. So, hey, you know what? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I I'm loving this, baby. I'm loving this. Ransomware payments. Get those out of here. So <clears throat> if you've been paying attention, you would have noticed maybe a year ago, Threat actors, like real big ones, like Clop Ransomware, for example, they, they, they've, they've, they've tampered down the amount of encryption that they're doing and ratcheting up the amount of data exfil they're doing. So originally, 2017, 18, 19, uh, threat actors would encrypt all the files, delete the backups, and then hold the keys ransom. Then Conti Ransomware 
uh, gang, uh, Wizard Spider, uh, they really pioneered the double extortion technique. Ooh, getting BOGOs up in here. Two for one, two for one. And they would steal all your data, then encrypt your data. And then they have two things that they can sell you, the keys and your data back to you or to your competitors or whatever. And, you know, basically as security controls got better, um, backups got better, immutable backups, ransomware, ransomware is such a blight that a lot of security vendors develop solutions for it. And a lot of executives are asking their CISO, how are we protecting from ransomware? So because of that, there's been enough budget cycles that have happened where now businesses can recover from ransomware. So it really is a, a multi-pronged, like this chart right here, you might just think that we're, we're winning, but we're, <laughs> we are kind of, but it's, it, it's much more multifaceted why this chart's happening right here. L there's less encryption going on. Okay. Pe businesses are able to recover faster. Certain businesses like federal agencies aren't allowed legally to pay the ransom. Um, and Threat actors are um, just doing data exfil. They're not even encrypting your stuff. Okay, so payment rates are going down. You know, again, the only way we're going to win the ransomware war is that um, if we de-incentivize uh, threat actors from doing it. And right now, catching them and throwing them in jail is hard, and it doesn't seem to incentivize them. It, it doesn't seem to deter other people. So now, you, so instead of like a bigger stick, you have to like, basically, I guess, make the carrot smaller. Uh, if you want to use a carrot stick, um, analogy. Um, yeah, I think I definitely agree that, uh, businesses are just better prepared to recover, uh, from a ransomware attack. So anyways, good, 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 good. Internal info exposed on GitHub. 404 Media reported that data belonging to the cryptocurrency giant sat available on GitHub for months. This included internal production passwords, technical information, code, and infrastructure diagrams. There remains no public evidence of misuse, at least so far. Binance filed a copyright takedown request with GitHub to have the information removed. It's not clear if the account that uploaded the information acted maliciously or accidentally. Binance characterized this simply as a leak in the takedown notice. All right, couple things here. Uh, Eric Taylor is in chat. Good morning, Eric. Uh, Eric says uh, Coveware uh, is known to refuse payment for ransomware if they suspect it's a nation-state threat actor, which is which is interesting, right? That could be another reason why ransomware payments have gone down because the insurance company refuses to do it. Eric Taylor dropping bombs in chat. Here comes a fifty drop, uh, fifty squad member, uh, fifty, uh, fifty people in chat right now are about to become simply cyber squad members. 100 people in chat right now are about to become Simply Cyber Squad members. Thanks so much, Eric Taylor and the Barricade team. Can we just become best friends? Yep. It's all about community. Uh, definitely make sure that you turned on the ability to accept squad memberships because right now it is raining squad memberships up in chat. Let's get the Oprah emotes. Hey, you first timers, there's something called squad. You see the name in green? You see the little badges? You see all these things jumping on? Hop on the train and become a squad member. All right. Hey, check it out. Uh, Binance code and internal passwords is exposed on GitHub. All right. So Binance, um, you know, the crypto, you know, here we go. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. Love it. Love it. <clears throat> the crypto trading platform uh, apparently uh, had a public GitHub repo with 
code, infrastructure, passwords, and other technical information. <clears throat> Couple things here. One, it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter if you're a multi-billion dollar company or you're a mom and pop shop. Like, just because you have an A load of money doesn't mean that you have the best security or the best processes, the best practices or whatever. Um, now, what's really interesting is this story got picked up in the news, but Binance simply uh, put a, get, a takedown request on uh, for GitHub to pull it down and mentioned discreetly what was in there, including internal passwords. Uh, you know, from a business perspective, I get Binance would like to not make an announcement that they had crappy uh, security. Um, obviously, with internal passwords, like my money at Binance is okay, but like, like I'm not getting robbed at Binance. But if you have internal passwords, infrastructure diagrams, all that, that is juicy, juicy bits of recon and potentially initial access to the environment. So once you get in there and know where you're going, then you can rob people. So this is a really hideous look for Binance. I am con confused uh, why it was on GitHub. Either A, somebody who worked at Binance posted that information there, not thinking it was a big deal for some unknown reason, or B, somebody got that information from a data dump and instead of posting it on a dark web forum, they posted it on GitHub, which is about as clear as clear text as you're going to get. Um, so anyways, not a good look. Again, I, 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 you know what I think about crypto? Like I'm all set. I'm all set. I played with crypto a little bit. Uh, NFTs, Shiba Inu coins or whatever those coins were. Binance, Coinbase, um, FT, like I, I looked at these things. I put a little bit of money in them so I could appreciate and understand them. And they're all straight up scams, man. Straight fraud. There's no utility to crypto. I love Charles Finfrock. I love Justin Gold. There's no utility. The only value of crypto is convincing someone else that it's worth more than what you paid for it. That's the utility, which is called fraud. <laughs> all right. AI poisoning tools sees download surge. Last week, researchers at the University of Chicago released a tool called Nightshade. Similar to other AI poisoning tools like Glaze, Nightshade serves to distort feature representations inside generative AI image models. The idea being that anyone not wanting their data scraped for training could use this <laughs> while still keeping their content indexed on the open web. The team reports that since release, Nightshade saw over 250,000 downloads, indicating a high level of interest. All right, hold on. So, I forgot about the term diamond hands. That's another one. Like, I'm sorry to like pile on this thing, but in the crypto community, it's just uh, like, it's not exclusively crypto bros, but it's a lot of people telling each other to like hold on for dear life. And, um, you know, you, uh, you, like if you sell, you, 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 uh, you, you weren't cut out for it. They call it diamond hands. You got to keep those diamond hands on. But all it is is a social engineering attack to convince the suckers not to sell. While the people who are making money, they're the ones pushing the diamond hands. Uh, whatever, man. All right. Hey, who, who just got a uh, Carrie Tyler with a one year anniversary? Hey, Carrie. Love it, love it, love it. All right, so let's talk about this story. Nightshade data poisoning tool. Um, looks like, uh, way to go, University of Chicago, Chi-Town. What's up, Windy City? They have a uh, tool that 
quote unquote poisons poisons digital artwork from scraping AI models. Um, not really a uh, cybersecurity story. Although I guess you could argue that it's an integrity thing. Um, so this is a really interesting. Basically, the format here is that there's numerous lawsuits from artists and publishers suing um, OpenAI, Google, Microsoft, et cetera, saying that their artwork is being stolen, right? Like, and and then you know Microsoft, Google says, no, 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 like AI generated this. It's not a it's not a copy paste of your stuff. It's it's you know it's AI. So. Anyways, that's a hot mess. But what they're doing here is the computer scientists insert, I guess, invisible pixels or invisible changes to pixels, which basically makes uh, a human not see any different. But the um, the AI scraping models, since they're computers, they see it as um, they do see it and it screws up the way that they um, make it. So basically, if you are an artist, Right, if you're a digital artist or a real artist or whatever, you would definitely be interested in this nightshade application because it can help protect your property. Um, I do want to say this is kind of quasi steganography. Uh, steganography is where you hide hidden, you hide data in images. Um, it, I've got a whole lab in Cyber 101 on how to do it, but um, this is basically that because computers see it, humans don't. There we go. Um, straight crush it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, hold on one second. I'm getting all sorts of stuff here. So Jay and Michelle says this could be modified to a more malicious intent. I, I suppose I'd love Jay and Michelle your your uh, take on on how this could be weaponized for malicious intent. Um, it doesn't it doesn't um, negatively impact the original artwork, uh, but it does screw up the, um, the the stolen one. I, I dude, I saw on my uh, my feed this morning. It said that um, somebody asked uh, open a uh, ChatGPT Dolly to make a Batman's The Joker, and it literally produced a copyrighted graphic of the Joker. So I mean, it's out there, and it, it, it makes sense, honestly. Like AI doesn't know or care about what what's copyrighted and what's not. Let's keep going. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To learn more, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. All right. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. This is the mid-roll. If you're getting entertainment or educational value from the stream, do me a favor. The best way to say thanks, Jerry, thanks, mod team, is to hit the like button on YouTube. Why? Because it basically triggers the YouTube algorithm to tell other people who are looking for cybersecurity content on YouTube that we're doing this over here, and then they can wander in, and then we get more hashtag first-timers in chat. So what's up? Welcome to the party, pal. 
Welcome to the party, pal. Guys, shout out to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon. I teased them at the beginning, but let's get deeper. Guys, Anti-Siphon training, bangers coming out of this group all the time. They are disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone. Old, young, you know, purple, green, um, blind, deaf, like whatever it is, whatever your situation is, no matter what, financial, socioeconomic, international, 12 years old, 50 years old, everybody gets an opportunity at anti-siphon training to learn skills, practice what is taught, engage with the community in a very fun and inclusive way. The way that they operate their operation over there is chef's kiss. I absolutely love it. Super inspiring. Now, how can you take advantage of anti-siphon training? I'm glad you thought about that. Right now, there's a link in the description below. You can go to the link and take next week, this right here, SOC Core Skills with John Strand. John Strand is an epic instructor, practitioner, and frankly, human being, okay? If you would like to learn kick A skills from a uh, legend, sign up using the link below and you can sign up for zero dollars this is what i'm saying don't be like oh like uh it's too expensive or oh i just don't have the i can't afford it right now if it's a priority to you money isn't the issue set the, set it up take the time prioritize it i know uh i don't want to say any names uh in chat but i know for a fact one particular person signed up for next week and worked with his wife to be able to shift responsibility so he could take that course and focus and get that value. I'm telling you, the networking is epic. The education is epic. The experience is epic. Link in the description below. I love myself some anti-siphon training. Yes, Deb Wiggly's in chat. Everybody say hi to Deb Wiggly if you see her. All right, hey guys, uh, Simply Cyber uh, Community Challenge. Every single day we have a new one. Right now, um, Mark Johansson Stanley is carrying the baton. Guys, if you want to blow up your professional network in a really, really easy way, go on to LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and connect with the people posting and comment on their posts. Connect with the people in comments. You will, five minutes a day doing what I just said and you will blow it up. Now I'm going to ask Mark Johansson Stanley to tag somebody. Mark uh, posted yesterday, he had the baton. One person a day gets the baton. Mark, please tag somebody. And whoever takes the baton up, go on LinkedIn, share your story, use the hashtag so people can find you. Tag me so I can amplify it. And let's keep the train going. We're on like day 200 of the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's awesome. Yes, David Brooks crushing his education goals. I love it. Now, every single day of the week is a special day. Thursdays are what's your meme. I just got this meme in right now. Let's share it. Dan Reardon, Haircut Fish. There it is. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day is right around the corner. And here I am, Bill Murray, letting the groundhog drive. LOL. What a classic movie. I love it. All right. Let's get back to work, everybody. Thanks for the uh, mid-roll break. I do love myself. Some simple minds. Don't you forget about me. U.S. lawmakers proposed Defiance Act to combat deepfake porn. A bipartisan group of U.S. senators introduced the Disrupt Explicit Forged Images and Non-Consensual Edits, a.k.a. Defiance Act. This gives people a civil right of action against using digital forgeries to portray an identifiable individual in an intimate act without consent, 
opening the door for victims to collect damages. A provision in the Violence Against Women Act Reauthorization Act of 2022 gave a similar right to non-faked images. The act would apply to any images created with software, machine learning, artificial intelligence, or any other computer-generated or technological means. All right, hold on one second. Um, I, I think that this is awesome, um, but I want to... I'm confused. I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. Again, I don't prepare or research these stories. I, like... I, cause so I don't wanna I don't wanna misspeak on this one. Um Okay. Is like I my my one question is is this Defiance Act already been introduced into Congress prior to the Taylor Swift issue? Okay. I, I think it ha it has to have been. Um all right, so really quickly, um really quickly, um there is this disturbing trend. Like in 2017, uh, it like deep fakes started happening. It's basically where you can put someone else's face on someone if you have enough initial data, right? Like like graphics from different locations. Well, movie stars obviously have a ton of video data of their face, right? Obviously, and uh, it didn't take long. Just like a lot of things, the adult film industry, honestly is a major trendsetter for uh, technology, if you didn't know that. Uh, just like fun fact, you may not know this, fun fact, uh, DVD and, uh, or excuse me, Blu-ray, Blu-ray and HD DVD. They, literally, there was a technology called HD DVD that was like competing with Blu-ray at some point. And I'm, 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 I'm almost positive it was this. And like the adult film industry decided on blu-ray and like hd dvd just died just died okay so that's just like one example there's there's other examples but anyways usually technology gets weaponized in that space first so uh it didn't take long for like gil gal gadot and daisy ridley and some other well-known you know celebrity a-list actors to start showing up in adult films and the whole, they weren't really in the film. Um, someone had just spliced their face onto the, um, the actor in the, in the film, right? Obviously. Now this is very, very violating. Uh, it's very, very uh, upsetting. You, there's multiple, um, there's multiple things you can Google and see um, uh, from, from victims, frankly, who have experienced seeing themselves in these acts and it's very invasive. Um, it's mentally, uh, mental health uh, jarring. So anyways, there really does need to be a um, law against this. Now, the reason I pointed this out is because Taylor, I guess there was like, it, it, it made the rounds. It went viral. Somebody did something with Taylor Swift in a, um, uh, I think a still, like a, like a, a, like a, a nude pornographic picture that looked just like Taylor Swift, but it wasn't. So Obviously, this brings it up to uh, every, you know mainstream media because everybody loves Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. Um, her old stuff, though. Let's not let's not confuse the facts. I mean, the woman's entire catalog is excellent, but for me, for my dollar, nineteen eighty nine red uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Going back to the, the older days, you know, after after uh, like you know Bad Blood and all that pop stuff, I kind of got off the train. 
but I'm old and I yell at clouds. So that's what happens there. Anyways, Taylor Swift pushed this up uh, to this. So fine. It sucks that someone did this to Taylor Swift. It sucks that someone does this to anyone. No person, typically females, no person should have to experience this kind of like violation. And uh, I think it should be illegal. And honestly, I don't understand why you can't sue somebody right now for it. All right. I don't see why you can't sue someone for it right now. Um, you know, just for like slander or defamation of character, perhaps. I don't know. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Well, you know what we need? Do you guys remember that viral video of the guy uh, who was like, leave Britney alone? Like we need to remake that and have like, leave Taylor alone. All right. U.S. law enforcement uncovers largest SIM swapping ring. The U.S. Department of Justice filed an indictment against Chicago resident Robert Powell. Yeah, really quickly, do not Google Taylor Swift nude or any, don't Google any of that stuff, all right? You don't want, you don't want any of that, and you certainly don't want to do it at work. Don't, like, I'm not advising people here to go look it up. I'm just saying it's a thing. All right. Also, shout out to John Theodore, who's got the baton. John, John, love it, love it in the Northern District of Illinois, alleging that he operated a large-scale SIM-swapping ring that stole over $400 million. Powell and his team allegedly operated these attacks from March 2021 through April 2023. The indictment outlines over 50 victims, with Powell forging documents to get SIM cards at Apple, AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile stores. The largest transaction claims that Powell drained over $400 million from a single company account as well as cryptocurrency thefts of up to $1 million. Yeah, it's gross, dude. EU All right, so SIM swapping, you know, for those who think it's just like a fringe attack, no. Um, you know, thank God, by the way. Mount up. It was a all right, so first of all, way to go, United States law enforcement. Second of all, SIM swapping, it's a real thing to the tune of $400 million. This isn't um you know you know picking peanuts out of elephant poop this is high end real money now again it's crypto so good luck it's 400 million dollars in crypto value but um you can't you can't pay your mortgage you can't pay your utility bills with bitcoin last i checked so um you know so whatever but but um th th this is a real thing and if you don't know what sim swapping is it's basically uh an attack where your phone, your phone has a SIM card in it, right? And like, if you're going to switch phones, you switch SIM cards and now your phone number ports over to your new phone. And it's very convenient for all of us. The problem is if a threat actor convinces somebody at AT&T or whatever to, that they're you and they've got your new phone and they port your phone number to their phone, now you don't have a signal anymore and you don't have a phone and you also aren't getting your text messages like your multi-factor authentication. Now, just getting SIM swapped is is one thing, but guys, the threat actors would need access to your username and password or whatever. I've never ever seen a authentication mechanism where the only mechanism was a text message. You know what I'm saying? Like no one's logging into their crypto account or their wallet with just a text message. Absolutely, it, it, it would be used in multi-factor authentication. Now I'll say this. If you're dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars, I don't know if text messages is the right uh, factor for you. Maybe go hardware key. Like when you get over a million dollars, maybe maybe get a, a hardware key for everybody because that's not going to get 
uh, popped or, or maybe the authenticator app. And now if it's your only choice, then sure, you've got to, uh, you've got to go with the SMS text messaging, but it's not ideal. I will say if you ever, ever, ever see that your phone doesn't have service randomly, like not service, but like, like it says it can't find the network. Like it looks like it's not on a cellular network. Um, you've been SIM swapped, right? Like you should immediately, immediately get that recon reconciled and immediately make sure that your accounts are uh, secured for sure. Okay. All right. Um, let's keep going here. Launches cybersecurity certification on digital products. The European Union adopted the Voluntary European Cybersecurity Scheme on Common Criteria, initially drafted by the European Union Agency for Cybersecurity. This will replace existing national certification frameworks, giving the block a more consistent process. The framework will apply to technological components. Hold on one second. Jay and Michelle says, is a hardware key an RSA token? No. So a hardware, like an RSA token is a physical device with a six digit rotating pin. It's basically like your, your uh, authenticator app, except in physical form, but that's not a hardware key. A hardware key like is a UB key, for example, it requires you to plug it in physically connect it to the device uh, for the authentication. So uh, with an RSA token, I can read it to you over the phone. If you get the, um, the certs and you're able to predict the next number, um, those attacks can happen. If I have a webcam somehow looking at your desk and I can see the six digit key uh, rotating, I can get it, right? Hardware key, I can't call you on the phone and do anything. It needs to physically be in your presence. Sometimes you'll see actually, not to derail too far, but sometimes you'll see webcams online that like are literally set up and just looking at a token on someone's desk. And it's like literally a hack for somebody who likes to work from home and in, in, for whatever reason, can't take the uh, token home. Like sometimes there's like shared accounts. Um, sometimes, you know, you're not authorized to um, to take the tokens out or sometimes you don't want to lose them or whatever. So when it's hardware and software setting out two levels of assurance based on risk of the product's intended use. Avanti. All right. So I wasn't listening to this story, but I do love it. European cybersecurity common criteria. Um, there, there. So I, this has happened multiple times in our industry over over time. But basically, this is yet another push, another effort to basically, um, get like, to basically certify products that they're a minimum level of security. Like right now, right? Like for example, okay, real quick. Like when you eat food, there's like nutrition facts on the side of the box, right? Okay. And then maybe uh, for drugs, like pharmaceuticals, there's FDA approved, right? Like, so if you're going to buy some drug and they're like, oh, this is a miracle drug, like, you know, fountain of youth or whatever, it gives you superpowers, right? It's it's the drug from uh, Limitless. Um, if it's not FDA certified, then it didn't go through any like rigorous testing or whatever, right? So we have these certifications to inform consumers of like, integrity, legitimacy, minimum, whatever. And frankly, IT security products don't have that. Uh, and, and if you think about it for a minute, it, it does make sense. Why? Because, you know, security products can't be 100% perfect. They're, they are going to have vulnerabilities. They could be misconfigured, et cetera. So um, it's been really, really 
difficult. In fact, most security products, and this is a speculative hot take, okay? So let's do a speculative hot take, Jerry's tinfoil hat here. Speculative hot take. Most security products, when you buy a security product, you're typically not buying the best one on the market. You're typically buying the one that has the best marketing, right? Um, so th th that's frankly uh, part of it, right? I'm not saying you're going to buy some piece of crap technology that has like a multi-billion dollar marketing budget. But what I am saying is, um, you know, there could be really good EDR solutions that you've never heard of and they can't penetrate the market because Sentinel-1, Carbon Black, Microsoft Defender are suffocating the market. Um, so I'm just saying like, it's it's not always about, well, and if you think about it from a business perspective, right? Great cash, homie. If I can go to market today with like three features and sell something, that's good. But if if I could be like, oh, I got five more feature ideas. Let's keep building. Let's keep building. You never get to market and then you run out of runway, you run out of money and then you close. So anyways, I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, this, not to be confused, but it's somewhat similar. Uh, in the United States, we have CMMC, uh, which is a minimum security standard for uh, companies that will be doing work for the US government. Uh, very similar that they'll have to certify that they are in fact at this level of minimum um, security. So I love this. We'll see what happens though. We'll see what happens. And the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad zero days. Avanti began slowly rolling out patches for its previously disclosed zero days this week. These cover the command injection and authentication bypass flaws it disclosed on January 11th. But now it's disclosed two more zero days impacting its Connect Secure, Policy Secure, and ZTA gateways. One flaw under active exploitation lets attackers bypass authentication and access system resources. A second flaw opens the door to a privilege escalation in its gateway web component. It released patches for some ZTA and Connect Secure devices with mitigations for all unpatched devices available as well. Dude, Avanti. <laughs> Welcome to Avanti. Jesus, if this was your first week at Avanti, like you had just started there, you're like, oh my God, what is, what is going on? What is going on in here? Jesus, dumpster fire. So um, the, the horror show for Avanti just keeps on playing. Uh, it's like, it's like the jigsaw movie or saw movies. Like when you just think there can't be another one, here comes saw 17 um, Avanti zero days here, zero days there. We typically use the Oprah emote for community membership, but I'm going to go ahead and, uh, we're going to Oprah, uh, Avanti zero days, cheapers, creepers. You guys got it hot. Um, so here's the deal. If you're running Avanti, I, I would almost <laughs> encourage you like, shut it down, like shut it down. Like I'm the foreman at the construction site screaming at the bulldozer, shut it down. Like it is a hot mess express. Obviously Avanti hat. I mean, not obviously, but you would imagine that Avanti has all hands on deck, suspending all initiatives, everything at Avanti until this gets sorted out. This is gross. Um, sophisticated threat actors. Uh, I know for a fact, China, um, is, um, excuse me, Tyler. Ch Ch oh my God, bro. Uh, China has been um, uh, exploiting these. There's multiple zero days, uh, remote code um, uh, uh, execution, authentication bypass, 
on VPN devices, which are always internet facing. Um, just patches all over the place. If you if you can get them, ah, you gotta patch it. Patch it, patch it, patch it. Seriously, um, this is one of those ones. Quite frankly, this is one of those ones where the CISO needs to take a stand on this and say, "Hey, listen." Like, and by the way, you should have already done this. Um, you shouldn't be waiting until now to do this. But like the CISO at this point says, listen, this is a massive issue. We need to suspend uh, like our VPN connections. Like, like you, you need to be willing to accept some uh, business performance impact at, at this point, right? Or else you're, you're basically going to be accepting the risk of a much bigger problem if you don't. Uh, this is an absolute stop everything priority. Get it fixed. Avanti, if you're running Avanti, you know you've got it. Um, it says right now, it's just the Connect Secure and Policy Secure. That's been the one, those two technologies that they've been talking about. Um, and you can see two more vulnerabilities have been uh, come out. Uh, so it's just not good. This is a 10, right? I have to imagine these are 10s on, um, on the CVSS scoring um, situation. So definitely go get them, go get those patches, go get them sorted out. Again, you could see here, you can use Shodan or I guess Shadow Server. I'm not even familiar with this one, uh, but you could see this right here is a real looking at Pulse Connect Secure VPN. And you could see there's 19, hold on, uh, for today, there's 21,400 of these units 6,800 in the United States. There's 21,000 of these in the world right now that are vulnerable. <laughs> Although actually I shouldn't say vulnerable because this graphic is only showing Pulse Connect Secure VPN. It's not showing uh, the version number. So these could be patched ones, but still there's 21,000 businesses out there who are potentially running at risk. Potentially, you know, Avanti is looking like this today. You do not want to look like this next week, okay? Uh, thank you very much, mods. There we go. <laughs> Shut it down! Shut it down! Ars Technica, used in malware campaign. We use the site Ars Technica as a reliable news source with quality coverage frequently on the show. But a new report from Mandiant that was covered on Ars Technica, found that threat actors used a novel attack chain to use the site to serve second-stage malware. This came from a threat actor, UNC4990, initially linking to an image of a pizza from a third-party website on an Ars user profile. The URL to the image contained a payload encoded in Base64 in its character string. This would cause a machine already infected with first-stage malware through an infected USB drive to retrieve the string and install that second stage. Yep. A seemingly benign video on Vimeo also used the same approach. Mandiant researchers found a third stage deployed in only one instance, which then installed a crypto miner. All right. So this is novel. This is cool. This is something you could bust out in a job interview and wow people. Um, but here's what's happening. Okay. How am I going to explain this? Um, Okay, so inside of the um, inside of the code for this picture, right? This picture has a uh, like when you when you host a picture somewhere, right? There's a URL. 
Well, in addition to the URL, threat actors have included Base64 encoded payloads as an argument to the file, well, to the URL call, right? So, like, really quickly, like, just if you if you like log into a website and it's using like a get, um, you know, a HTTP get form, right? So it says like simplycyber.com/slash uh, foobar question mark username equals Jerry password equals one two three four five right that that's that's like 1990s uh, HTML but but that would suck but my point is if you ever go on the internet look in your URL browser and you'll see like a question mark everything to the right of that are arguments or variables um, that are being used to kind of dictate what you're doing a lot of times you'll see like a cookie in there or some other stuff okay so now that we understand that threat actors can put whatever they want in there and it will get passed to the um to the browser how is this actually being malicious okay so you've got to understand uh most like advanced malware okay advanced malware will have multiple stages in this particular instance if i if i go to this pizza graphic right yes i will pull down that second stage base 64 encoded payload, but nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen on my computer. Okay. So how, how, how is a threat actor weaponizing this? Okay. So they need to initially infect you. And you can see here that it starts off with infected USB drive is connected to host. So right off the rip, the, uh, the criminal needs to send me a USB drive and then convince me to plug it into my computer. Now, there are ways to do this, right? I could send it to you and say it's coming from Avanti. I could put anything I want on the return address. I could say it's coming from Avanti and I could say, hey, hey, you know, these hot mess express uh, issues that that you're seeing in the news. This is the magic bullet. This is the fix for it. Plug this into your to your computer and we'll take it from there, right? Now, immediately when you plug it in, you're going to know it's, it's not. So you're going to know something's up. But you could also... Um, send it you could put your resume on it and and hand them out at job fairs you could go to a conference like defcon wild west um hackenfest and hand them out to you know potential people right like whatever there's ways to get usb drives in people's hands then you got to plug it in okay now your machine's infected initially so now when you go to that pizza website and you pull down this particular code that initial uh uh infection you know, basically executable that's running. It's a PowerShell script. It is looking for this image to get pulled down at some point. And when it gets pulled down, then it will parse out this base 64 encoded payload and do whatever it needs to do with it. Convert it into the actual PowerShell script, execute that PowerShell script, and you're off and running. What makes this a novel attack is A, because they're using that uh, argument space to push the payload. Two, um, you got to remember, like, if I look at this pizza, like, I'm not thinking, hey, I'm compromised, right? Like, it's a it's a very subtle way of delivering second stage payload that won't really show up in a sim, right? I mean, it, it'll show up in a sim. This code right here, if you looked in a sim, you would see it. But you're not going to think like, you know, oh, Ars Technica, you know, like, oh, that's that's traffic that's acceptable. No one's going to think Ars Technica is a malware hosting platform. Uh, plus, you're not going to see a file come across 
the um, the wire because the file gets built on the host workstation. The base 64 encoded um, payload is what comes across, right? And then it's built there locally. All right, hopefully that helps. Um, <laughs> what is this? So uh, I guess this is, thank you, BSEC. This is the base 64 encoded payload. So if you're looking for a popsicle headache, um, DJ BSEC, thank you very much. <laughs> Security program shouldn't stop at compliance. All right, looks like we got a couple minutes here. Guys, I want to thank all of you so very much for being here today. Before you go, I'd love to remind you of a couple things. One, we've got um, Tyler Ramsby coming on as my guest um, today for Simply Cyber Live. Tyler, if you don't know him, uh, definitely come check him out because he's a wonderful guy. He does a lot of uh, pen testing stuff. He's found CVEs. And if you don't know what a CVE is, definitely come tonight because you're going to learn they're huge huge to have those attributed to you his resume is probably fat stacked now because he's got cves under his belt uh, he's a content creator he's inspirational he's motivating he's really really nice he streams on wednesdays we'll talk about that uh come by today at 4 30 p.m for simply cyber live the long form uh guest interview i also want to let you know that it's 7 p.m tonight slay security is going to be live streaming Jesse Johnson from the uh, the mods and from the Simply Cyber community. He streams. If you drop a link in chat, uh, Jesse, I'll bring it up. Uh, Slay Security. So if you're studying for your Security Plus and you're looking for a community to collaborate with, learn from, and have a good time, you definitely want to join that Slay Security group. Every Thursday night, they're doing a Cyber Chef um, lab live tonight. So I, hold on. There we go. I don't see it scheduled tonight. So, all right. Anyways, just trust me. It's 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 going to be here tonight, okay? So let me copy paste and send this on it. All right, guys. I got to go teach at the Citadel. Whoops. Excuse me. <laughs> excuse me, Groundhog. I got to go teach at the Citadel. So I'm going to boogie out of here. Guys, have a great day. I hope everybody does well. Uh, looking forward to the... Um, Looking forward to the uh, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Much love to all of you. Thank you so very much. I just keep crushing it. Shout out to Deb Wigley for jumping in chat. Uh, definitely go say hi to Deb if you haven't. She's a wonderful person. If you see her in, in real life at a conference, give her a high five. She does, she does do high fives. All right, I got to go, guys. Thank you all so very much. Thank you. And until next time, stay secure. If you enjoyed that content, keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.